The West Live. The West Live with Ben O'Shea. Sport. The rebranded West Test is in the history books and here to unpack all the action is the West Australian's online sports editor, Chris Robinson. Robbo, welcome back. Morning, Ben. How are you? Good, mate. Good. And so you were out there at the Stadium, is that right? Yes. Uh, And so the Aussies won. Not a huge surprise. No. Uh, Were you surprised at how dominant a performance it was? Uh, Not really, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anyone was. Yeah, we're talking about an all-time Australian lineup here that's coming fresh off winning the World Test Championship, uh, securing the Ashes over in England as well, and a Pakistan team that... Doesn't tour particularly well at the best of times, and we're probably missing a couple of guys as well. So um, I was kind of impressed with the way Pakistan were able to hang in there for the first couple of days. They were able to keep it somewhat interesting, and then really the cream rose to the top as we uh, as we all expected it would. Okay, well, let's go through some of the hits and misses of the West Test. Uh, let's start with the, you know, the rebranding. Yes. Uh, so do you think that was successful? Um, people got on board? Yeah. Oh, I mean, the proof is in the pudding with the crowd numbers, I think. Yeah. Um, they were probably a little bit shy of what we had been hoping for. Christina Matthews, the outgoing WA Cricket CEO, had said that they were hoping for 25,000 on day one, which was a very ambitious target. Um, they ended up getting, I think it was sixteen or 17,000 for day one. Across the four days, they ended up just shy of 60,000. It was sort of 59,500. Um, I think... I think the most disappointing crowd for me was probably yesterday when you consider day four, it was all set up. Steve Smith was at the crease, one of Australia's greatest ever batsmen, and then the prospect of Mitch Marsh going nuts later in the morning to try and set up a declaration target. And then Nathan Lyon, of course, um, about to take his 500th wicket. Um, But they were only able to get just over 9,000 there yesterday um, on the Sunday session. So I thought that crowd could have been, really could have been kind of double that. Um, but I don't know. The, 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 the crowd issue is an interesting one. I think one of the things that gets overlooked with WA crowds as opposed to crowds across the rest of the country is I think WA is the only state that doesn't pause district and community and club cricket across oh. the weekend where the <laughs> test is in their town, which is just such a no-brainer crazy, when right? you think about it because it's kind of like in this era of asking a question of who's going to spend eight hours watching cricket – the answer is, well, people who spend eight hours playing, <laughs> playing cricket, cricket every yeah. weekend. So that seems like a no-brainer to me that you'd put that on pause and say, hey, come and watch our test match when it's in our hometown. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Um, and now, uh, it certainly did look empty, Optus Stadium. Um, it's And it's games like this where you wonder, you know, the Wacker is probably a better option, right? Like, it looks more full. Maybe you couldn't do it because of the renovations that were happening there. Is that... Part yeah. of decision making? Yeah, you definitely couldn't do it because of the renovations. I think, yeah, I, I, I love the Wacker and I love the character of it and I love the history of it. I think we, we do tend to look at it a little bit with rose-coloured glasses when it comes to facilities and the lack of shade and all that all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> There's no shade. Yeah, but, but I take your point absolutely. Like 16,000 there on day one. If you put 16,000 into the Wacker on day one, the place is heaving. Yeah, the it's vibe a great would be amazing. It looks, you know, it's 80% full or whatever it is. Whereas 16,000 at Optus, when it's, you know, two thirds yeah. empty essentially, 
um, has a bit of a different feel to it. So they're, they're kind of caught in the middle. Optus is definitely more, more comfortable though. Yes. There's no doubt about that. No question. And even if there's only 10,000 people there, you have a whole well, a whole wing of the stadium to yourself. <laughs> uh, and in terms of the cricket itself, so let's let's go through the innings. So the first innings, uh, a pretty good performance uh, by Australia with the bat, uh, headlined, of course, by David Warner's big ton. Yes. Um, there was a lot of talk about the stoush with Mitchell Johnson and Mitch doubled down <laughs> again with his next column. Uh, how would how would you rate David Warner's performance and you think it sets him up for the summer? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it should. And basically David Warner did what everyone expected David Warner to do and what David Warner has done for a long time now, which is particularly on our home soil, um, just punish inexperienced mm. attacks and, and tour, touring attacks that don't really know the best of the conditions here. Dave Warner knows exactly how to play these fast and bouncy, bouncy pitches, and he's done that for a very long time. Um, so that that wasn't really the knock on him coming in. The knock on him coming in was if he's finishing up, is it time to look somewhere else? And particularly given his really modest record everywhere else across the past two years, um, but the fact that he got the opportunity, I think he was always going to cash in. You could yeah. sort of see it very early on um, and then made a very pointed celebration upon reaching his 100 in the direction <laughs> of the media facilities there at Optus Stadium. Um, so no prizes for guessing who that was directed to. But again, Mitchell Johnson, as you said, doubling down on his point, and I think he has every right to where he says, hey, I, I wasn't suggesting that David Warner wasn't going to make runs if he was picked. I was suggesting that he probably shouldn't get picked in the first place and we should look to the future. So um, I think it's it's probably a split points decision for those two yeah, across the weekend. Yeah, exactly. I think we'll wait and see at the end of summer and we'll see who yeah. actually won. Uh, and then the Pakistanis in their first innings, a couple of good starts, but uh, probably just couldn't capitalise and, and left a few runs uh, on the board. Yeah, and I mean, this is, this is going to be the case for Pakistan. Again, they just don't have that experience. It's so hard for... For teams that don't have experience in Australia because the decks are just so different to what they're used to on the subcontinent. Um, and if you look at Pakistan's record across the past probably four or so years since COVID kind of came in, they very rarely left the subcontinent to play test match cricket. Um, and so you just don't get exposed to those kind of conditions that the Australian quicks in particular just reveling um, and you're putting the ball on a right on the right length and and Pakistan's bats without getting too technical about it just just don't have the experience and, and don't know how to make the adjustment to the extra bounce the extra pace that's going to come through so um, as I said it was impressive that they hung in there they're only two down um, at stumps on day two um, and started pretty well on day three as well on Saturday morning um, but then, yeah, once once Australia's quicks got on top and sort of found that right line and length, it was kind of only a matter of time before they started to, to fold. Yeah, they cleaned him up. Uh, and then Australia's second innings, um, the Pakistanis just couldn't get 10 wickets. Uh, and Mitch Marsh, another uh, half-century man-of-the-match performance. What did you make of him? Yeah, perfect, perfect opportunity for Mitch Marsh in that sort of scenario. Australia already had enough runs on the board. He comes to the crease and just has a licence to do Mitch Marsh things, which was basically score a runner ball 60-odd, um, rock back and, and pull some for four. So perfect opportunity for him when you come into the crease where you know that you know the opposition's on a hiding to nothing you've already got enough runs on the board and it's just party time um and like i said that's where i'm a bit surprised that we didn't get a few more fans through the gate given that yeah, there was a absolutely. prospect of fireworks, Some fireworks. From, from the hometown hero um a much deserved man of the match as well 
uh, it must be said. David Warner obviously had a case for that great knock in the yeah. first innings, but for Marsh to have 90 followed by the unbeaten 63 and then also picked up a really important first innings wicket um, of Babar Azam, who's Pakistan's best batter, basically. And he was under a bit of pressure as well, Mitch. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, even though, like, he, he, he got some runs um, uh, at the one-day uh, World Cup, but, you know, in the Test Arena, mm-hmm. uh, I think he, he needed to score, and he did, so I think he'll be he'll be looking pretty good for the rest of summer. Uh, and then you had the Pakistani second innings, uh, rolled for 89, uh, yes. and the main, <laughs> which is obviously not good. No. Uh, but the main talking point, though, was Nathan Lyon, who had to wait for it, but he finally got his 500th wicket, uh, which is a piece of cricketing history made right here in Western Australia. Yeah, unbelievable. Just the third Australian to do that. Um, And you're right, he had to wait for it because the quicks were so good and it was very hard for Pat Cummins to insert him into the attack when the quicks were he just dominating. He could get the ball out of their hands. Mitch Stark took three wickets early. Cummins bowled a beauty to Babar as well to get him out. So um, when Lyon finally got his chance, there were a couple of there were a couple of half shouts and they had one DRS that was turned down and then the eventual 500th getting it on DRS, which is a little bit anticlimactic yeah. <laughs> um, when you consider the, the nature of the occasion. But got a really good ovation, as he should, um, because an incredible effort. And I mean... If you look at his career and where he's come from and if you told Australia that only four years after Shane Warne retired that they would find a spinner who could get 500 plus and at 500 and counting um, and become one of the greats of all time, you would have taken it in a heartbeat. So incredible for Australia to keep that spin legacy rolling, albeit a very different bowler and a very different character. Um, incredible for them to be able to find him. Uh, and he's still got plenty left, seemingly. Yeah, he seems evergreen. He has injuries from time to time. Not the not the flashiest of players, no, uh, or blokes. But geez, uh, you can't you can't knock the uh, achievement. That's for sure. Uh, and now looking forward to the next test on Boxing Day. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you liking about it? Um, look, it's Boxing Day. It's a chance for Melbourne to. All of the the critics, I guess, of the, the Perth Test numbers to um, to turn up and and throw in eighty thousand there on Boxing Day, which would be interesting. Um, Australia would be happy to have the extra day off. I think I think that's quite an important point um, with regard to the fact that they finished it in four days as opposed to still being out there today. Because there are a couple of sore boys. Mitch Marsh got hit on the head when he was batting. Um, Manus Labuschagne in particular almost suffered a fracture to his finger. Sounds like he's going to be okay to play. And then Usman Khawaja as well copped one on the forearm. So um, there'll be a few boys that'll be happy about the, what, eight or nine day break leading into Boxing Day just to, to take stock. But once we get out on the pitch, Ben, I'm expecting very much more of the same, particularly or potentially even more comprehensive if, Australia decide to insert Pakistan or if Pakistan bat first, that could be a three-day test match. So yeah. um, let's let's hope for the series sake, for competitive sake, that Australia get another bat first up in Melbourne. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, the series might become a bit of a farce. Yeah. Jeez. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Dearie me. Uh, Chris Robinson, online sports editor for the West Australian. Thanks for joining me on the West Live. Uh, and we'll talk to you again soon. No problem. Thanks, man. You've been listening to The West Live with Ben O'Shea. If the story behind the story matters to you, then you can count on thewest.com.au to deliver.